Blog Talk Radio. Do you hate your chair? Does your spine ache to even think about sitting in it? If you sit in this chair like most people, your chair just sits there like a senseless block of wood. It doesn't know how to make you happy. But what if your chair could be like a really great dance partner who senses your every whim and moves with you? Is that even possible? Dr. Turner Osler thinks so. For most of his career, Dr. Osler has been dealing with gunshot wounds, car crashes, and burns. Now, Dr. Osler has trained his attention and skills on a different kind of trauma, the cumulative trauma of sitting. Like RSI, this trauma doesn't happen overnight. In fact, it might take 30 years to develop instead of three seconds, but it can be just as deadly. More and more research underscores the danger of sitting. To stem the tide, Dr. Osler has designed a new concept in chairs. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Hello, and welcome to RSI Help Radio. I'm Deborah Quilter, and RSI Help Radio is dedicated to bringing you the best news and information about repetitive strain injury and other technology-related health issues. So help us understand the dangers of sitting is Dr. Osler himself. Welcome, Dr. Osler. Well, thank you, Deborah. I'm glad, glad to be part of your adventure here. Um, <laughs> so tell uh, so, us why um, sitting in standard office chairs is so bad for our spines. Well, um, you know, we're not really designed for sitting. We're, we're, we're hunter-gatherers um, by design, and we've spent the last three million years being hunter-gatherers. That's something that we're pretty good at, and it's in our design envelope. And we're pretty, it worked out pretty well until the last hundred years when, you know, we were still doing stuff, even if we weren't hunting and gathering, we were farming or, or we were, uh, you, know, uh, you know, gathering wood in, in, the, in, the, in the woods or whatever. But about 100 years ago, we all sat down in offices, and it's, it's really been a, an uncontrolled science experiment that's gone terribly. You know, people, um, uh, you know, the, the business of sitting is hard on your posture, and it's terrible for your metabolism. People are obligate hunter-gatherers, and we need exercise. When we just sit all day, um, our posture deteriorates, and our biochemistry really lapses into um, uh, the danger zone. Um, so uh, people have tried hard to find better ways of sitting, but mostly it's more of the same old, same old, just trying to provide more support for people. When in fact, people don't need to be supported, they need to be moving. Yes, and one of the things that I've noticed when I've been out in the field doing ergonomic evaluations is that people aren't really sitting so much as collapsing. They're collapsed <laughs> against their backrest. They're, you know, they're collapsed on their armrests. They're supporting everything in sight. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about not only the, the bony consequences of that, but the problems with the organs. Because, you know, sometimes I will ask people to take a deep breath when they're curled over in a slump. And you really can't. You have to sit tall and open out your chest in order to breathe well. So can you right. talk a little bit about some of the metabolic problems that happen from sitting too much? Sure. Um, so um, w- when people slump in front of a computer, they, they lose their normal lumbar lordosis. And 
your spine is a miraculous thing, and it can handle that for minutes or even hours, but decades of being slumped in a position that really isn't anatomic is a, a huge uh, demand on the spine, and eventually the spine just can't keep up. This kind of, I think, explains why 80% of Americans turn up in the emergency room at some point in their lives with back pain. Um, and it can be a wow. catastrophe because it can become uh, a chronic problem, often treated with opioids, and then it tips over perhaps into the catastrophe of drug addiction. Um, so the business of sitting all day with bad posture is just catastrophic for people. Um, the, the, the response has been to try and build chairs that kind of push people into a normal anatomic position with you know, a lumbar support and a headrest and a backrest and an armrest and a footrest. But you can't really create normal posture by pushing on people. You pretty much have to let posture emerge from the spinal reflexes. Um, um, it, you know, it, it, it turns out that kids take about a year to learn to walk. And I think the reason for that is that um, walking is hard. Uh, and even though, you know, mm -hmm. the, the little tiny babies are growing synapses at something like 10,000 synapses a minute, the business of programming your spine to, to respond to gravity is an immensely complicated problem. And it, it takes about a year for kids to go through the creeping to crawling to toddling to walking stage. So you have these terrifically sophisticated reflexes built into your spine. And if you just let the spine respond to gravity, it knows what to do. It's been carefully programmed to handle gravity with a plumb. But if you put people in a chair and just try and push them into some posture that looks anatomic, um, the, the results um, are pretty much uniformly catastrophic. And that's, that's been the chair industry for the last 100 years. And I'll say also the ergonomics crowd has been doing, pushing this line for the last 100 years, is if you, if you just push people into a posture that looks right, their posture will be right. And this is wrong. The posture has to emerge from people's uh, nervous systems and from their bony structure. Yeah, I so, mean, for me, when I'm trying to use a backrest, it's extremely uncomfortable. And I just can't do it. It's, it's very uncomfortable. And I think that, you know, the muscles are balanced on both um, sides. Uh, hold on just one second. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Um, balance so the muscles are balanced. Yeah, if you're sitting against a backrest, um, you're collapsing to me. It feels like I'm collapsing. If I'm sitting against any backrest, I can feel that my organs are resting on top of each other, that my spine isn't as long as it could be. And I think right. that if you really have good posture, the muscles are balanced on either side of the spine. It's quite easy to sit, if you, especially if you have, um, as you do in a, in a good chair, a slight elevation of the hips over the knees. Yeah, no, and if, if, you, look, if you look carefully at the human pelvis, you know, the the, the human spine is designed for standing and walking and hunting and gathering. So it's all predicated on being balanced over your, your, your acetabulum where your femurs plug in, the, 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 your femoral heads plug, plug into the acetabulum. And that's, that's where the spine 
uh, naturally balances optimally on top of the pelvis is when the pelvis is supported through the acetabulum. It turns out that the ischial tuberosities, the sitting bones of the, of the uh, pelvis, are exactly underneath where the femurs plug into the acetabulum. So it, the, the sitting bones, the sit spines, are kind of the kickstand for the human pelvis. It's where the, the human pelvis is designed to rest optimally because this allows the spine to adopt its normal posture. So, but office chairs don't allow people to balance on their ischial tuberosities because they're so padded people can't even feel where their ischial tuberosities are. They're kind of lost in space. And so you know, because they don't have any reference point to get their pelvis organized, they just wind up leaning against the backrest or the armrest or whatever in sort of a, sort of a heap. And um, as a result, because this, the, the spine isn't the central strut supporting everything, you know, the, the rib cage collapses and the abdominal cavity collapses, and um, there's not much air excursion to the lung. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an odd posture to assume for 11 hours a day, which is what the, person, yeah. the, the average person sits in the United States. And think about not having oxygen to the cells in your body. I mean, that's not so good. But you brought up a point, Dr. Osler, that I'd like to make about Swiss balls because a lot of people think, oh, I'm sitting on a ball, I'm fine. But they're so squishy, you don't get any kind of feedback um, for your ischial, your sitting bones. And so right. no, that... you really can't. And plus your feet are way far away from you, so you can't press into the earth as you would be if you were sitting in a in a chair that wasn't so big. Um, not to mention, I think you told me that some university was banning them because uh, they had some lawsuits. Can you remind me about that? Yeah, no. Um, so the Swiss ball was actually developed in the 1950s for treating premature infants, so the, to help them get rid of respiratory secretions. Um, and then they got bigger, and then they migrated to the yoga studio, and then somehow they got introduced into offices because it had been noticed that sitting still all day was a bad idea. And a yoga ball promised at least some motion. But there, there are really serious problems with the, the yoga ball, as you alluded to. Um, one problem is that in order to sit well, you have to have your hips higher than your knees, so you have to be able to mm-hmm. adjust the top of your chair. And this pretty mm-hmm. much isn't possible with a yoga ball. They just kind of come in one size. And then that size is pretty ill-defined because how big the yoga ball is kind of depends on how much you weigh and how fast the leak rate is and what the barometric pressure is and what the temperature is. And so you, you never really know how tall your yoga ball is. Another problem is that because you can't feel your sitting bones, as we, as we mentioned before, you can't really organize your spine above your pelvis because your pelvis is not well organized. It's just kind of lost in space. Um, so, you know, these are two very serious problems with the yoga ball. And so if you actually watch people sitting on a yoga ball, most often they just kind of fall into a collapsed posture with it. It doesn't they really do. change very much. They do. I was just going to say that. They sit in that C-curve um, where their their spine is just collapsed. and they're just Right. It, it may sound like yeah. a good idea to be moving on a yoga ball, but when you actually watch how people use it, mostly they just kind of collapse on it. And then... Um, the final and maybe the maybe the most serious problem, um, at least for you know corporate America, is that um, because yoga balls are made out of uh, plastic, um, and plastic is uh, kept flexible by a plasticizer that is in the material but evaporates over time. Eventually, all yoga balls become brittle, 
And so it's like your hard drive. They all fail. It's, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And when a yoga ball fails, I mean, it pops, and the, who's ever sitting on it goes directly to the ground. And yes. um, I spoke to the, the, the head of uh, uh, HR at the University of Michigan where they've banned the, the yoga ball from the campus. Uh, all 30,000 employees are enjoined not to have yoga balls because they've had five, as they call them, catastrophic failures with people hitting the ground hard enough to have head injuries and subdural hematomas and, oh and you know, workman's comp issues. So, um, oh and, no. and so if, <laughs> if, you, if you sit on a yoga ball, be sure and put it in the dumpster every January 1st because that guarantees that the yoga ball you'll be sitting on is less than a year old and therefore less likely to fail catastrophically. But, um, you know, just, just the catastrophic failure alone is probably a good reason not to have a yoga ball. You know, they are useful as, in things like personal training. You can do lots of fancy balance and ab work on them, and um, it's, it's, it can be useful that way. But I tell you, I've had people whack me because they lost their balance um, <laughs> and their, your arms are flailing around. So, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're okay if you know how to use them, and, uh, but you, you have to be careful if you're trying to help somebody else because I've been hit more than once. And, right. and, uh, and there are cooler versions of the yoga ball. I mean, there are solid yoga balls that you find in um, the circuits arts world where people stand on them and, and roll them around mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, I think those have uh, you know, way more to recommend them because you can feel your issue of tuberosities because they're solid and they can't pop because they're solid. So, there's, you know, so there's, they're, they're way more expensive, of course, than a cheap inflatable yoga ball. But I think, I think these, these solid kind of circus balls are way more interesting. And the size is predictable. I mean, they're the, they're, they're the size mm-hmm. that they are. But that said, yeah. um, you know, they're still kind of big and ungainly, and you can't really get your feet in a reasonable position because by the time a ball is big enough to get you tall enough, now it's kind of putting your legs out, your feet further ahead of you than they should be. So, you know, a sphere is a hard is a hard shape to work with if you're trying to sit on it. Yeah, but getting back to the chair and the office chair, one of the things that I've noticed and it's very concerning to me is that people, when they're sitting in an office chair, particularly if they're using the backrest, and I've noticed that women very often will sit on the front of the chair, and usually it's because the chairs were designed for Air Force recruit bodies rather than women's bodies, although you can get petite versions. But it still, when you sit back, you're, you're losing your lumbar spine, the, the lumbar curve. And then you're collapsing through the torso, and the head goes forward. And this is really, really asking for repetitive strain injury because the weight of the head causes all these cascading effects through the upper extremity. The forward head, um, you know, and then, then you get the neck tightness and neck pain, and you can have nerve compression starting in the neck, going through the brachial plexus, down through the elbow. I mean, it, it really is a cascade of disasters, and it's from Right, and, and if you look at the human spine, I mean, the cervical spine is a pretty delicate structure, and then you're going to balance an 11-pound bowling ball on top of it. This can work if it's all aligned and vertical. You see women in Africa carrying immense loads on their head, and they do it effortlessly without disturbing their their posture and without damaging their spine because it's axially loaded. Yes. 
But all you have to do is yes. lean forward an inch or two, and all of those biomechanics are immediately ruined. And the and the, the you know there's all of this um, well there's a big lever arm pulling on the cervical spine. So um, you know I think I think that the, you know the epidemic of neck pain kind of comes from this business of trying to hold your head up with the muscles instead of balancing it on top of the spine. Um, yeah, you, you, I very often only give balance people a book. To sit on top of their head, I have them sit and balance a book on top of their head, and that is right. a really good way of getting the the posture. It instantly right. no, that, that helps find, people. Finally, people you know can can feel what it's like to have their head balanced. You know, they get so used to having yes. their head ducked forward that the, it it doesn't strike them as abnormal. But once you get them to try and balance a book, then uh, you know suddenly they they have to kind of reset their expectations in a way that can be very helpful. Yes. Yes. Um, so we've talked a lot about the problems of sitting, and, you know, it's bad for your spine, it leads to muscle imbalance and pain, could lead to some serious injury. Um, but you have designed a chair called the Core 360, and that's QOR360, uh, based on your experience with the Feldenkrais method, uh, of which I am a practitioner, I'm happy to say. And I've been sitting in this chair ever since I ordered the demo for my workshop. And I have to tell you, I haven't gone back to my prior seating once. Um, <laughs> it's so different sitting in a dynamic chair as opposed to sitting in a dead chair. So can you talk a little bit about, I mean, I could talk about my experience, but maybe you can tell us about the benefits of uh, dynamic versus static sitting, and one thing that I'm sure will catch people's attention is that you your caloric burn goes up by 17 percent. Right. Now, um, if uh, if you're just slouched in a in your office chair in front of a computer monitor, you're basically your all of your muscles go uh, electrochemically dark, as we say. There's just there's no muscular activity because um, you know, the, your muscles aren't doing anything. Um, it turns out that your muscles aren't just motor units that move your bones around. They're also immensely complicated biochemical uh, factories that produce signaling molecules and change the underlying biochemistry of your body. Um, so when you just slump in front of a computer for 11 hours a day, your bad cholesterol goes up, your good cholesterol goes down, your insulin goes up, um, your glucose goes up. Your all-cause mortality actually goes up. Epidemiologists have studied this, and you know, sitting slouch for long periods of time is catastrophic. Merely being a fidgeter, wow. you know, having a you know a sewing machine knee or, or twitching or carrying around or just moving in some small way makes a huge difference in in your biochemistry, because at least there's some muscular activity. We, we mm -hmm. designed a chair that requires people to balance on our rocker while they're sitting. And although it's not a, a lot of work, um, it does involve big muscles, the internal and external bike and the transversalis and the multifidus. And so as a result of having to be continuously balancing on a chair, um, uh, your basal metabolic rate goes up by about 17%, which is about halfway to walking. So. Our chairs make the subtle demand wow. that people stay active in order to stay on the chair. I have to, I have to admit and that... Let me interrupt um, for just one second sure. so I can paint a picture for the listeners. If anybody is familiar with a wobble board, the kind of thing that you would put, stand on in the gym or at the physical therapy office for 
balance work or ankle work, this chair allows you to move in a full circle. So you can bend to the left, you can bend back, you can bend to the right, you can tip forward. And there's no degree that's restricted. You could make a full circle on this chair. So now that you have that picture, please go on, Dr. Osler. Yeah, no, uh, well, actually, the, the, you know, the first prototype I thought of was, uh, oh, we'll just, we'll just, uh, I just bought one of those wobble boards off of Amazon and drilled a hole down the middle and uh, put it on a stool with a, and tied it on with a piece of bungee cord with the idea that, you know, I had solved the problem. And it really works. I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, having a, a wobble board that you sit on allows you suddenly to be using all of your balancing um, uh, neuromuscular apparatus to, to stay active. The problem was that using a hemisphere as the surface uh, had the problem that you have to drill a hole in it to, to attach it to the stool below it. And as soon as you have any, any discontinuity in a hemisphere, you get kind of clunking every time you pass that point when you're rocking, and it's immediately extremely irritating. But um, mm-hmm. it turned out not to be easy to get away from that problem, and it took about a year of prototypes and bad ideas before we hit on what's a pretty good idea, we think, for making a chair that moves smoothly in all directions. Um, and, uh, uh, and, you know, the, there are, as we've said, postural benefits that come with having to balance on top of your ischial tuberosities as, you know, your, your neuromuscular and anatomic uh, equipment is designed. And also, can I ask you a question about balance? If I understand that there's proprioceptors in the hip joint for balance as well as in the feet, am I correct about that? No, and and actually, the richest, the joint that's most richly endowed with proprioceptors is the ankle, because uh, that's the thing that keeps you from falling down and being eaten by the jackals. You, you really, you really need to, you, know, you need to know where you're. Well, you know what what angle your foot is at when you're running and 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 walking. So by having your feet on the floor, you have this rich um, uh, feedback to your spine about where you are in space, and it's the conversation between your feet on the floor and gravity and your spine that results in having um, uh, excellent posture emerge naturally to protect your spine. So would this this mobility spark the proprioceptors and keep them because my question is basically if you're moving subtly through these degrees range of motion wouldn't it be fair to say that it's improving your balance as well as your posture because you're keeping your brain primed for different positions well i think that's true i think you're you're subtly you know training all of those uh balance systems by challenging them subtly all day long you know um um you're you're uh, and and you're strengthening your core because your core is working all day long to keep you uh, balanced on your chair rather than just slumped in front of your computer monitor so you know i i've taken to saying you know if you if you have if they if they're going to make you sit on a chair in front of a computer monitor all day in a cubicle you might as well get something out of it and if you have a chair that mm-hmm. lets you kind of let your core be working the whole time, you are getting something out of it. Yeah, it's kind of like a workout. I remember when I first sat on this chair, I was playing with it for 10 or 15 minutes. And when I got up, I felt kind of energized. <laughs> and I thought, gosh, that's really interesting. You know, I didn't feel that kind of, ugh, you know, feeling where you need to do something or stretch like an animal 
will stretch after they've been taking a nap. Or um, if, if you if you I, watch it's just people, sort of like you if, pop out of the chair and you're ready to go. Yeah, if you watch people who've been, or perhaps you've noticed this in yourself, if you've been like concentrating on a stre- spreadsheet in a conventional office chair, slumped for um, you know an hour or two or three, when you get up and first take the first few steps, you really have to kind of mm-hmm. struggle to get control of your spine because your your intervertebral discs have become intervertebral wedges. And to get your spine straightened up, you have to wait for the juice to kind of percolate in to you know, get your, your intervertebral wedges to be more disc-like. So, um, but with our chairs, because you've been upright and moving the whole time, you just get up and walk. It's, it's, it's like you've been mm-hmm. walking the whole time. So that's, that's, that's one um, advantage is that you, know, you can kind of immediately feel that when you get up, you just get up. We've also had other people say, you know, I used to need an espresso about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, but I don't need that now, now that I have this chair. You know, it just kind of keeps people engaged and active. Do you, have you any ideas about the way the blood is flowing? I mean, I know when you're sitting or in a stagnant position, the blood flow can be reduced, but do you think this chair helps? Maybe that's why people don't feel the need for caffeine because the blood is pumping to their brain or something is that well it's it's hard to know um but but for sure when you're sitting um you know passively your blood pools in your in the veins of your legs because you know there's a column of blood that goes from your right atrium down to your ankles and um Mm -hmm. in in normal human activity which would be walking hunting and gathering the muscles uh contract in the legs uh rhythmically and pump blood by squeezing the veins, the deep veins in the leg. And the deep veins in the leg have um, very uh, fine diaphanous uh, valves that direct the blood to go back to the heart. A lot lot of blood actually gets pumped by muscular action in the legs. When you're sitting slumped in a conventional chair, your legs aren't doing anything. But uh, in an active chair, um, your legs are kind of keeping you subtly balanced, and you're using your leg muscles a little bit that helps kind of keep the blood flowing. Um, and keeps it from pooling in your legs. Um, and we, I could, I guess, digress on the fact that, uh, you know, we say that, um, you know, standing isn't the opposite of sitting. Moving is the opposite of sitting, So, which opens the door yes. to the whole conversation about standing desks. Yes, there's a saying um, in ergonomics that the, next, the best position is the next position. Yes. <laughs> which is kind of the same thing. Yes, keep, keep moving, keep moving. I mean, it's just... Um, it's something that I think harkens to a sort of dark aspect of society. Uh, Someone I knew once quoted someone in the somatic world who said, the person who controls the movement controls society. And it really is very powerful if you think of people sitting all day, and this this is your job. For most, many people you are expected to sit all day at a computer doing some sort of productive work. And it's really hard on the body. It's really hard on the body, and it's very difficult. There's a lot of social pressure for people to stay at their desk. You know, I can tell them, get up and take a break, walk to the – you used to be able to walk to the copy machine, but now your printer is right next to you. You can make a copy right there. There's fewer and fewer reasons to get up. Um, you can't just get up and go to a colleague's office and say, hello, how about lunch? 
you know, it's more people email that kind of thing so they don't have to leave their desk. And it, it, sometimes people will feel self-conscious about even standing up during the day. Well, actually, the National Institute of Health, the NIH, has a recent um, request for proposals looking for researchers who have ideas about how to inject more activity into people's day-to-day lives. You know, it's 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 really a a crying problem to you know arrange for people to get more um, uh, you know muscular work into their day because they park close to their their computer and at the office and then they you know walk directly to their computer at home and there's hardly any uh, muscular activity in built into the day so you know our idea is that by making the activity of sitting um, muscularly mm-hmm. engaging you know suddenly the 11 hours a day that people are forced or voluntarily sit during the day it's, I mean it's extraordinary 11 hours a day is a lot you know how is it even possible it for people to sit that much well breakfast, lunch, dinner, the toilet, the car, sitting at the PC at work, sitting at the PC at home, watching television, it's bedtime. So people pile up an immense amount of hours sitting. Um, And if that sitting is destructive, well, that's a very serious problem. So our idea was to, you know, make at least sitting in front of the computer uh, something that involved muscular activity and, um, and, you know, in consequence would improve biochemistry and posture. Yes, and thank goodness you have. Unfortunately, we are out of time, so we have to wrap up. Much as I'm sorry that that has to be the case, uh, I understand that you're giving a TED talk about sitting, and wonder oh, how right. people um, could listen uh, to that. Um, uh, May ninth, I'm giving a TED talk in Stowe, Vermont, and um, it ought to be uh, I don't know up on the TED website uh, a week or two after. I don't know exactly how long it takes them to edit these things. But uh, I'm excited to give this talk because um, this talk is about not so much about our, our little company and our chairs, but an idea that I have to make active sitting free for kids in schools. We have a, a design that can be made by anybody anywhere with a CNC router and just like you know, print as many chairs as you want using a CNC router. So it's, it's an idea I'm fabulous. excited about to, to give it away. <laughs> Yes, so if you want more information about that or any of other Dr. Osler's ideas, you can go to his website, which is qor360.com. And if you want to try the Core 360, you can sign up for the workshop in New York City where I will be teaching a few Feldenkrais lessons on sitting well in any chair and giving people the opportunity to sit in the chair and try it out. This event will be held May 4th from 1 to 3 p.m., and you can sign up at rsihelp.com. There's a link on the first page. So I want to say thank you for coming to the show so much, Dr. Osler, and um, everybody out there listening. I have begged him to come back because there's another important issue I want to get his thoughts on, and that's the problem with standing. Despite what you've heard, it's not the be-all and end-all of uh, safe office work, so trust me, you don't want to miss the next episode. Thank you all for listening to RSI Help Radio, and remember to follow the show so that you will be notified of new episodes by clicking on the little red box or sign up for my newsletter at rsihelp.com. You can also submit questions or suggestions for future episodes on the show page. Until next time, this is Deborah Quilter signing off from RSI Help Radio in New York City. Bye for now.